Right. I have a surefire way to garner a lot of sympathy today from all the gentlemen out there. So last Saturday, my wife and I were running errands, and we had to go to a store, and we went to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> all right. Hobby Lobby. Uh, yeah, I mean, true confessions, true confessions. Maybe, maybe uh, guys, we don't mind it so much because about three-quarters of the way back on the right side, there is that place where you have, like, man cave decor and, and there's some sports decor there. there. But, and, and also true confessions, if we, don't be too macho here. Don't we really all want a Hobby Lobby kind of a life where we could just spend time on our hobbies and not doing the things that we need to do or, or doing the things that we have to do. I wouldn't we want a, a guaranteed day off a week, you know, closed on Sundays or pick whatever day you want. And, and so you can just do whatever you want. You can just relax and you've got soothing music playing in the background uh, that matches your attitude. I, I think we all want, uh, you know, those inspirational signs to be our life where we may not have it all together, but together we have it all. Or, or, you know, happiness is homemade. Or, you know what, our life is just all biscuits, butter, and blessings. Uh, wouldn't that be awesome? That, that is our, our, our life's dream. I wonder sometimes if that's how we look at the portion of God's, that, portion of God's word that you and I are going to look at today. Um, from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. In fact, when I went to Hobby Lobby, I saw this passage plastered all over the place. And it is, it is very good marketing on their part. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, which we're going to look at a little bit more detail today. It, is, it was ranked the number three verse chosen on the Version Bible app. If you don't have that app, that's a great app. Um, but it's number three verse in 2021. And, and who wouldn't want things like like positive-sounding words like prosper and plans and hope and a future, just, just staring at you all the time. But is it possible? Is it possible to have a Hobby Lobby life? Is it possible to have a Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 kind of a life? That's what we want to ask ourselves today. And in order to help us answer that question, we really need to maybe consider, the, we do need to consider the context in which Jeremiah 29 verse 11 was written, these positive sounding words. It, it was not written to people who were experiencing a Hobby Lobby life. Uh, they were experiencing more of a, a Walmart life. And no offense to anybody who shops at Walmart, we shop at Walmart all the time. Or, or no offense to people who, who work at Walmart, but you get the difference, right? Hobby Lobby closed on Sundays. Walmart never closed. Long days. Maybe that's how you feel in your life. Or instead of just being this, this pleasant atmosphere where you have music playing in the background, you have people ramming your ankles with, with carts because it's so crowded in there, and you feel like your life is so crowded. Or instead of just having this nice clerk at the checkout counter say, oh, can I get you a coupon for that? You know, there you are. You're you're scanning everything, and you're bagging everything, and and carrying all of life's burdens by yourself. Maybe that, that is how the original audience of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, was was living. 
And it wasn't just the original audience, it was also the, the speaker himself, the prophet Jeremiah. He was not a Hobby Lobby type of a prophet. Uh, he, had, he had a rough, rough life. If you just thumb your way through uh, the book of Jeremiah and you look at kind of the, the section headings, you'll, you'll come across section headings that say like disaster coming from the north or the valley of slaughter or, or destruction coming. I, I mean, the, the last place in all the world that, that Jeremiah would have expected to be quoted was at Hobby Lobby. He would have never thought anything that he wrote could have ever made it into this, this home dec- decor store. Uh, he, he earned the nickname Weeping Prophet for a reason. And so what do these words mean? If these were written to people who were struggling, if these were written by a prophet who was struggling, what do these words mean for us today? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Again, we really need to look at at the context. Uh, These words, I told you already, it was people who were living not just this perfect suburban life, but people who are living the, wall, you know, the, the tough life. Uh, a little bit about them. Before Jesus ever came into this world, God had kind of adopted a group of people that he was going to send his son through to be one of us. And those people were called, maybe you know, they're, they're called the Israelites or the people of Israel. For, for many, many years, the people of Israel were living the Hobby Lobby life. They were on top of the, the chain. They were on the top rung of the ladder politically. Uh, they were on the top rung of the ladder economically. Everything was great. But not in the recent past. There was an evil king, a uh, guy, funny-sounding name, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he, evil king from Babylonia who was attacking the people of Israel. And he, he formed a siege around the capital city of Jerusalem. And he kept that siege up for six months to the point that things got so desperate that there literally was no more food left for anybody to eat inside those city walls. And when all the people were weakened inside, then the, the, the Babylonian empire or the Babylonian army raided. They marched in, and they weren't so nice about it. Uh, what they did was they, they burned basically everything down. They burned down the, the, the most important buildings. They burned down the temple or their church. They burned down the palace of the king. They burned down all the homes. And then they gathered up ten to 15,000 of the of the skilled workers, the, the, high, you know, the, the engineers and the teachers and the craftsmen. They didn't take the pastors. They said they're worthless. They can stay here. But they, they, seriously, they did. And they, and they took the ten to 15,000 top-notch people in society, and they took them back 800 miles to the east so that they could serve and live in Babylon and, and be a, fruitful to that society and be a blessing to King Nebuchadnezzar there. Now, can you imagine what that would be like to be one of those 10,000 skilled peoples 
ripped away from your home, ripped away from your family. Maybe you see your, your loved one you know, crying after you as you get hauled away. Maybe the last image that's burned into your brain is your house burning down. Imagine what that would be like. We get a little clue what that was, was like if we look at one of the Psalms, Psalm 137. It quotes these, these exiles. And it says, There we sat by the rivers of Babylon. And we sat and we wept. And it goes on to say there, it says they used to play harps, but now they weren't playing the harps. They just kind of hung them on the branches. You can stay there. And when their captors said, come on, play us some songs from the old country, they, they said, how can, we, how can we sing the songs of the Lord right now when, while living in a foreign land? You know, about 500 years ago, to try to capture this, this emotion of being ripped away, there was a, there was a composer, a German composer, uh, who wrote a, a chorale uh, called, uh, or who wrote a song called On Wasser Flüschen Babylon. Was, there's your German for today. Uh, but at the waters of Babylon. And Johann Sebastian Bach, that great musician, turned it into a chorale. And, and just listening uh, to, to some of the music uh, that, that he would have played, um, should be music playing. I don't know. Maybe my, my, uh, my theme's not going on. All right. No worries. Uh, but, but listening to some of the music, it is just a sad, sad, sad dirge, basically, that, that Bach writes. And so you imagine, imagine some of the saddest songs that you've ever heard. Just, you know, kind of the cello, maybe, just groaning in the background is how Bach wrote that chorale. And there you are, just mourning what you've lost. Are you there? Maybe you don't even have to imagine what it would be like to be in exile. Because maybe the exile story is your story. You know, maybe you came here today at your own river of Babylon. Maybe box corral is your corral. Where you, you, you probably didn't ever have your house burned down, but you've seen a lot of bridges that have burned in your life. Maybe bridges with family members, bridges with former friends, maybe even bridges with, with church members. Or, or you maybe aren't starving for food like, like those exiles were, like those prisoners were, but you're, you're starving for attention. Isn't somebody just going to listen to me? Or you're starving for answers in your life to some situation that's, that's facing you. Maybe you haven't been ripped away from your home and, and now living in a foreign country, but you've had opportunity after opportunity ripped away from you. And so that you still are trying to make sense of life. You maybe feel like a stranger, like a foreigner in your own world. If that's your situation, where you just join with them in saying, how can I sing today? What would you want said to you? And even if that's not your situation today, 
Think back to when it was. When you're just crying and sitting and weeping at the waters of Babylon, what would you once said? You know, if, if you were in this crowd, uh, you would have heard some messages come your way. I said they left the pastors back home. That's true. They didn't think they were worth bringing, but they brought some false pastors along. They, they brought some false prophets along, and, and they were like Hobby Lobby-type prophets. They were just saying, oh, come on, cheer up. Everything's going to be okay. No worries. You know, I'm sure it's just a day or two, and God's going to take down Nebuchadnezzar. We're all going to get to go home, and we'll have biscuits, butter, and blessings again. But while they're just placating you with their niceties, all of a sudden you look up and there's two messengers coming down the road at you. And you recognize them. They're messengers from the the real prophet back home. Messengers of Jeremiah. And and this gets your heart percolating a little bit because, oh, now God's going to, the real God, the real prophet is going to speak to us. What is God going to have to say about this situation? So the guys open up their scroll and they start reading. And this is how Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, verse, or Jeremiah chapter 29, the whole chapter starts. It says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Sounds positive, doesn't it? But read between the lines. What are these prophets telling you? You're not going home. You're going to be stuck here in Babylon. You're going to build houses. You're not just going to tent. You don't plant gardens when you stay at the Holiday Inn, but that's what you're going to do here. This is going to be your permanent place. Your kids are going to grow up here. They're going to marry here. And, And just in case you can't read between the lines, God goes on to very bluntly tell the people this message then is he says he says for 70 years when 70 years are completed for babylon i will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place 70 years you know what is god saying here he's saying you a little bit of background is that why is this happening to them is because really God had warned them this would happen. He said, hey, don't turn your back on me. 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 And they kept turning their back on him. And so finally God said, all right, you're going to live with the consequences of your actions. I'm going to put you in a timeout. I'm going to put you in a spiritual timeout. You're going to sit here on this stair in Babylon for 70 years. Sounds kind of like a a strange or obscure story, perhaps, to to share today, especially on what's deemed National Back to Church Sunday. And yet there's some important lessons for us to learn from this story. One one is that there are always going to be Hobby Lobby-type prophets out there. Uh, There are going to be uh, these people or or things or messages from this world that are just going to try to convince you, don't worry, everything's going to be all right. No big deal. No consequences uh, for your actions. 
Uh, last week, uh, Vicar led his first Bible study with our, our college-age ministry group. And, and they're going through a Bible study right now called Ten Lies About God. And the very first lie that they looked at was, God just wants you to be happy. The Bible doesn't say that. And if you came here today thinking, oh yeah, I'm just going to get back to church because then, then I'll have pleasure and then everything will be okay and I'll, I'll be able to eat biscuits and butter and, and enjoy blessings again. That's not actually the message of the Bible. In fact, the Bible doesn't promise that it's going to take away all of our earthly problems. Uh, it never says that. I never have God saying, don't worry, just cheer up, buttercup, everything will be okay. No, in fact, sometimes his, his message is quite the opposite. Sometimes his message is, stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. Repent, turn from those ways. And sometimes, as a result, because we don't always stop it, he says, you might have some consequences. You might have some hardships in your life. You might have some, some Babylons that you get stuck in where you're weeping and you're sitting. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two, though, is that if we find, when we find ourselves in those situations, lesson number two is that life is not over. Even with these people, these people who had turned their backs on God, God said, all right, you're going to get what you want. And you're going to be hauled off into Babylon. God doesn't just wipe his hands and say, okay, now you made your bed and sleep in it. He comes to them. And he gives them words of promise. And he gives them words of hope. Basically, he says, yeah, you may not like your current situation right now. You may not like being here in Babylon, but even here, I haven't forgotten you. I'm still going to bless your houses. I'm still going to bless your gardens. I'm still going to bless your families. So basically, you have two choices in life. You can be bitter. You can be bitter about the place that you are, mostly because of your own actions. Or you can see that God can make this a better place. You can be bitter about the place you're in, or you can understand that God can even make that place better. That's what he says here. And that, you know, that, that thought, that truth, was really, has been really driven home for me uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I've, some of you may know that I, uh, one of our, and I, I got permission to share this story with you, but one of our members happens to be in, in jail right now. He's in his Babylon. Uh, away from home, super sorry, super repentant. And yet, to, to see how there's an understanding of how God can even make that place better. So as if we've been in communication probably four or five times a week via email and usually once a week during video messaging, um, I asked if I could share the story, some of his, his correspondences with me, and he, he's super excited to be quoted in the sermon today. Um, but this is what he wrote uh, two weeks ago when Vicar preached. Thank you for sending me Vicar's sermon. It was a good one. 
What's very cool is someone from the jail has to read all the messages that we send. So me being in jail has maybe gotten someone who didn't know of God's love for us to read how much he loves us and what life could be like with that light always glowing. Honestly, it just made me cry thinking about that way. Or then after last week's uh, sermon was shared with him, uh, the parable of the prodigal son always makes me cry because that is me to a T. I was lost, but now I'm found. I thank God daily for welcoming me back to him. I mean, is, isn't that awesome? I mean, doesn't that really drive home the point of Jeremiah 29, 11, that, that, that it, it helps us understand who the you is when God says, I have plans for you. He's just not talking to people where everything's going great. He's talking to people who are in exile. He's talking to people who are dealing with the consequences of their own actions. He's dealing with people whose, whose lives have been severed from anything they maybe knew in the past. He's talking to people like you. You know, every Sunday we get together here and we, we come in and we smile and we, we shake hands as if everything's okay. But there's a lot of people here who are going through a lot of stuff. And we all have closets filled with our own secrets. Uh, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's, it's anger. Maybe it's anger over a, a situation that happened years ago, but it keeps roaring up its ugly head. Maybe it's an attitude that we just can't shake. Maybe it's this, this self-righteous attitude that I have that I look down on someone else, even though I don't want to think I'm better, or, or maybe it's an attitude that thinks everybody's thinking, looking down on me. You know, that, that goes both ways of that spectrum. We all have stuff. You've heard me say it before, and you'll hear me say it until I retire, but this place is not a museum that looks nice. This place is not a country club. This place needs to be a hospital. Uh, where we have messed up people. Churches are supposed to look messy because we have messed up people with messed up lives. And no matter if we've messed things up a thousand times over, it's to you today, to you today that Jesus says, I have plans for you. I have plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. How do we know that applies? How do we know that these aren't just words? Well, you could actually just stay in that same weeping prophet book. Yeah, Jeremiah shows us all the warts, all the sins, all the weeping at Babylon. But if you take on the challenge of reading all 52 chapters this week, you're also going to come to a chapter like chapter 23, where he shows us a king who's wise and just and right, a king by the name of Jesus, who doesn't lead his people into exile and slavery, but into safety and into salvation. Or you're going to come across a chapter like Jeremiah 31 where, where, where God says, yep, I see all the mess that you've made. 
but I'm not going to forget about you. But I'm going to forget about those sins. I will, I will forgive you your wickedness and remember your sins no more. That's the assurance that you and I have. That because of Jesus, you and I, because Jesus went to a cross, you and I have hope. Because Jesus went, uh, walked away from a tomb, you and I have a future. Because of Jesus, you will have plans. He has plans for your future. Does that mean, does that, mean that all the things that you plan are going to work out? No. The Bible doesn't promise that, yeah, if you come to church here every week, you're, you're going to have your, your, you know, your dysfunctional family is going to be taken care of and your addictions are going to be taken care of and your, your, uh, all your finances are going to be taken care of. It doesn't promise that. Can God's word help with those things? Absolutely. The, the Bible is powerful and it's effective. But what it does say, what it does promise is that all those things in this life may not turn out as you want, but there's another life coming. So no matter what you carried here today, no matter what's causing you to weep or to sit sad, you have a life worth living because you have a life that is coming. And so this sign is not just a Hobby Lobby sign. It's a sign from your God to you. Amen. Please stand.